This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. awesome to be in the presence of God. It's awesome to be one with God. And so controlling the tongue, you know, we can see this here. If you're able to control the tongue, that means you're a mature Christian, okay? And so now you could pretty much, you know, find out who are mature Christians, okay? You could be, you, again, you could be in church 50 years, 20, you know, it doesn't matter. There needs to be fruit. If you can control the tongue, you can control the whole body. An easy way to recognize and identify a mature Christian is how they speak. The way a person talks to other people tells you exactly who they are and what their priorities are. In today's message, Pastor Eddie will remind you to watch out for people who use their mouths to hurt people rather than to lift them up. He will also remind you to watch your own mouth carefully as you speak to other people. You should speak to people as Jesus would. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of James chapter 3 as he continues his message, Taming the Tongue. Teachers who teach God's word will receive a stricter judgment. A stricter judgment. Now notice uh, that James is using a plural pronoun. He's using we. He's not speaking in French, but he's including himself. Is it giving, you know, giving this warning, you know, he's not including himself. It's we. We will be held. So James, we know he's a teacher. He's an apostle in the church of Jerusalem. Uh, he's a teacher of the word of God. And he knows that judgment for a teacher is much greater because of the position of influence a teacher has. And thus, that's why the position for most people, it becomes very attractive where they force their way into the position rather than actually being called by God. Oh, yeah, God called me. Yeah, God called me. Okay, yeah, okay. I like what Chuck Smith used to say. Uh, If you're called to be a pastor or a teacher, just turn around. There's anyone following you. It's very simple. Many people like to carry the title of a pastor, and they're not even pastoring a church. That's not the definition of a pastor. He's a shepherd. And so uh, people like to put themselves in a position because it makes them look good. You know, they're, they're up there and they're in a Bible study and a podium like this here. And they, 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 they get the attention and they want people to like, love them and their wisdom. They want to show off. And, and it's a very dangerous thing. So he said, listen, be careful what you're doing. That's the bottom line. And so, you know, even Jesus warned that there would be many false teachers, preachers, and prophets and when the time comes for judgment, there will be greater judgment from the Lord for those who put themselves in the position of a teacher, or they might even very well be called, because a lot of people start off well but end really badly. And they're teaching the wrong things. They're misleading people. And people are leaving the faith, and people are, in, you know, are not coming to Christ because of their teaching. And so the role of a teacher, he's just giving, giving some warning here. Don't let not many of you become teachers. Think about it. Think about it. Because a teacher's greater influence translates into greater responsibility. And if not careful, leads into greater judgment. 
Um, I remember a, a good friend of mine, Pastor Dave Rosales, you know, was sharing about, you know, his time in ministry and how people came up to say, yeah, God has called me to the ministry. He said, you know what? God called you in the ministry? Well, praise the Lord. If God calls you in the ministry, great. But if he didn't, be careful. <laughs> and that is the truth. And I know a lot of people that they feel, oh, God's calling me, God's calling. They go start or something, and it goes nowhere. Oh, God has called me over here. Oh, God has called me over here. I said, okay, where is God? <laughs> you know, God got you bouncing around without sheep. You've been into like five places, and you don't have any sheep. And so uh, people like to put themselves in position because, you know, they just want the attention. And so he's just saying, listen, be careful. Now, many of you be teaching because why? You're going to be judged by your words. You're going to be judged by your words. Now, although the tongue, the word tongue is not specifically mentioned here in verse 1, the underlying thought is, it's about the tongue. And then there's, you know, one who uses the tongue to teach the word of God, you know, um, assumes at a responsibility before God and man and will be judged. And so we need to be careful. And, and I don't know, this doesn't make you feel, uh, you know, doesn't put fear in your heart. I know it does for me because I know I'm responsible for everything I say. That's why I'm careful with everything I say. I may speak Spanglish, but I'm gonna get the I'm gonna get the truth. I'm gonna get the facts. I'm gonna do my homework. I'm gonna study hard to make sure that what I teach is 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 of the Word of God, not trying to put my thoughts or my wisdom or myself in it. That's why most of my prayers before I begin said, Lord, we ask your Holy Spirit to be the teacher. Who inspired James to write the book of James? The Holy Spirit. And the same Holy Spirit inspired any of the writers, 40 authors in the Bible, is the same Holy Spirit that we want to be our teacher. We want to read it as the way the Holy Spirit had tended for us to read and study and live it. And so that's why it's so important that we pray, we depend on the Holy Spirit. You know, we tend to interpret it to, to fit our agenda, to fit our theology or doctrine, uh, but we need to teach it as, as it was written. And so uh, teaching the word of God is very important, and, and one needs to be careful. Verse 2, he goes on to say in verse 2, for we all stumble in many things. We all stumble in many things, and he's still including himself here. We all stumble, every single one of us. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor, teacher, preacher, or, or you just came, surrender your life to Christ. Uh, we all stumble. We all fail. We all make mistakes. We all sin. Nobody is infallible. We all have feet of clay. No one is perfect. There's only one who's perfect, Jesus Christ. And the scripture constantly affirms that to us. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, Paul writes this, For all, not some, for all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, every single one of us. But God, by God's grace, every single one of us who have surrendered our lives to Christ, we're not sinners in a sense that we practice sin. You know, we do mess up. We do sin. But 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9 says, if, if anyone uh, uh, sinned, uh, we can come to the advocate, Jesus Christ. If we say we don't have sin, we are liars. <laughs> and he's writing to believers. But we can come to Jesus Christ who is faithful to forgive us of our sins. And God knows that. We being renewed day by day. He who began a good work in you when you gave your life to Christ, he's going to continue to be with you. He's going to complete it until the day of Christ. He's going to complete it until you stand before God. And that's the faithfulness of God and the Holy Spirit. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, it is speech or in your, with your tongue, he is a perfect man, able 
also to bridle the whole body. So the you know so if you're able to do that, if anyone uh, does not stumble in words, and, and if you're able to tame the tongue, if you will, uh, obviously it's not going to be easy. It's hard. It's something you have to do 24/7. Okay, or oh, I would say 25/8. <laughs> okay, it's something you always have to do. The word here, perfect, is the Greek word teleos. It's not up there, but it means to be complete. It means to be mature. When we surrender our lives to Christ, at the moment you say, Lord, I accept you as my Lord and personal Savior, at that moment you are complete. In that moment you are perfect. Because why? Because of Christ in you. Now, you may look at yourself, wait a minute, I got a long way to go. You may look at Pastor Eddie and say, Pastor Eddie, you really got a long way to go. We all do. Uh, you know, it's not that you're perfect in the sense, positionally, let's put it that way, you're perfect because who you are in Christ. Positionally, you are, you are righteous because of who you are in Christ. Positionally, you are complete because who you are in Christ. But practically, practically, we ought to live and walk by faith, right, as we grow in our faith. Practically, we need to continue to be more and more like Jesus where we get to the point where we're perfect and complete. And when would that be? When we stand before the Lord. It's awesome to be in the presence of God. It's awesome to be one with God. And so controlling the tongue, you know, we can see this here. If you're able to control the tongue, that means you're a mature Christian, okay? And so now you can pretty much, you know, find out who are mature Christians, okay? You could be, again, you could be in church 50 years, 20, you know, it doesn't matter. There needs to be fruit. If you can control the tongue, you can control the whole body. That's what it's saying here. You're mature and this controlling, this, this, this controlling of the tongue is the evidence of a working faith as we've been studying, which is the theme of the book of James. Work without faith, uh, work, uh, faith without works is dead. And so the tongue is the most dangerous part of the body. Now that's verses one and two, the teacher and the tongue. And he's telling us, okay, listen, if you want to be, be teachers, do not press yourself into the role of a teacher because there's going to be strict judgment. Now, in verses 3 to 6, we're going to deal with the controlling the tongue, controlling the tongue. And he's going to give us two illustrations here in verses 3 and 4. Two illustrations. One, The first illustration in verse 3 is, a, is, is, is from a natural. The, 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 uh, the, uh, the second illustration in verse 4, is, it has to deal with navigation. So let's look at the first illustration in verse 3. He writes, Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. So the illustration he gives here, you have a massive, huge, strong, powerful horse, and it's controlled by a bit. The bits that they put in their mouth. That's it. That one little metal thing that goes in their mouth controls a big, massive, powerful horse. And then I say, I'm not much of a rider. I did try out, <laughs> okay? I went for the training of the NYPD mounted unit, okay? They didn't have a pony, so I had to leave. <laughs> you got it. Some of the people are delayed. Okay, I got that. Okay, no. What happened was, and, and, and not many people, it, it's just, you know, it's not many people can even go into training. We're talking about five or 10 out of, you know, 38,000 people. And so I was there and I tried it and I went for like a three-day course. Um, and uh, it was, it was scary. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I was riding this horse. Now, horses, for those of you who don't know, some of you do, uh, they all have their own personality. They all have their own attitude. They gave me the bad one. They gave me the bad one. I don't know if they didn't want me in the unit or what, but so you're going to ride this guy. His name is Wildfire. Okay. 
So anyhow, I went on this horse, and you know, like a horse, you know, you got to pull the reins and control it, and then you got the healing, and it's like, if you do both at the same time, it's like hitting the gas pedal and the brake pedal at the same time with a horse. I did not know that. Oh, I wasn't paying attention to that part. Whatever it may be, the horse was going around like crazy, and I'm like riding, and said, ah! It would have been a good picture. It would have been... And, and so I said, I'm going to have to get off this horse because I'm going to crash. And so sure enough, I saw this fence, and I, tr I jumped onto the fence. Good thing he, at that point, kind of slowed down. Um, and no, I wasn't hurt, thank the Lord, but I said, I'm not doing this again. I said, I'm done. I said, I said Panero, you want to join? No, done, done. I need my body. I'm still in ministry. <laughs> you know, I want my life. You know, it's called a three-quarter unit. It's where people retire. <laughs> so you know, early. Anyhow, so horses are strong, massive animals. But just think about the little thing that could control it. You know, and the next illustration. Now he gives us. It's about a ship. Let's look at verse four. Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds. They are turned by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot desires. We know how the boat, how boats work and ships work with a little rudder. But you know, when I start thinking about the uh, aircraft carrier, the USS Nimitz, I think it is, it's one, it's the largest aircraft carrier in the world, the largest in the world. And just to give you some numbers, it's about 1,092 feet long, 20 stories high. And weighs just by itself, it weighs 104,000 pounds. Yet, the rudder is about 22 feet. <laughs> 22 to 29 feet. That's it. A couple, it has two rudders, by the way. And so can you imagine something that big, that massive? It's like a city on water. And it's just controlled by two rudders. And so that's the illustration uh, James is trying to give us here. We have a whole body. And we have this little muscle. Okay? It's a muscle. It's the smallest muscle, but the most flexible muscle in your whole body. And flexible it is because it, it, when it moves, we get in trouble. Uh, so two illustrations to tell us, you know, how the tongue is. The body, it controls the body. What does that do? You know, it, it has a relationship between the inner man and the outward man, okay? It's it really because it's a much deep deeper problem than the tongue. It's really not the, tongue, really not the tongue itself, but it's the result of what's in the heart and what's in the mind. And so there needs to be a communication. And the best way to do that is making sure that you put on the mind of Christ and have Christ in your heart. Because between the two, what you think and what you feel in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. And so it's very important to control it. And so saints, if we want to Avoid danger, shipwreck, but we must control the tongue. It's a very small part of your body, but it's very dangerous. And after giving us these two illustrations of controlling the tongue, he's now going to give us an illustration of a tongue that's out of control, out of control. This is what happens. Let's look at verses 5 and 6. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts many, boasts great things, that is. So it loves to brag you know, that's, I mean, the tongue works really swift when it comes to bragging and boasting. You know, oh, this is what I can do. Oh, this is me. This is, this is who I am. And, you know, you, you see it on Facebook or at the end of the year, you get in with Christmas cards. Oh, my family's doing well. You know, my grandkids and my kids, oh, they got the scholar and they're doing this. It's like, okay, 
Now tell me what you're really going through. <laughs> you know, so, okay, let's, I just want a Christmas card. Say Merry Christmas. But anyhow, but it boasts many things. So how great a forest a little fire kindles. It's just a little spark. And, say, and verse 6, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it's set on fire by hell. By hell. And just a little spark. Just a little spark. You know, words could tear down people or pick up people. And here we see the illustration of an uncontrolled tongue. It's like a little spark. So it is. And we're like, what is it? Smokey the bear. Only you could present, prevent forest fires. When I was a kid, I thought that was my task. I thought, oh, he was only at talking to me. Only you. I said, wow, I've got to save forest fires around the world. <laughs> but, you know, the reality is, you know, you see this little spark, a little spark can set a fire. And, and you see California right now, pray for Hawaii, you know. Uh, and you see just how it just devastates everything, extreme damage. And what's left is ashes and waste. And that's the picture he's given here. That's what a tongue can do. You may not see it. But there are people whose lives have been destroyed because of the tongue. Now, they may not be in ashes until they die, but they, they feel that way. They feel wasted. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 27 says, An ungodly man digs up evil, and it is on his lips like burning fire. And so where does this fire come from that starts all this? He says at the end of verse 6, it's by hell. It's by hell. Now, there's a lot of definition for hell. There's a lot of Greek words for hell. The hell that James is using here is the Greek word Gehenna. Gehenna. It's, it's not talking about Shiloh. It's not talking about, it's talking about hell, the lake of fire, the final place of future punishment. That's what he's referring to. The word Gehenna, that word Gehenna in the New Testament is mentioned 12 times in the New Testament. One time here, in James chapter 3, verse 6, just one time here. The other 11, guess who spoke of this word? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. James mentioned it once, his little bro, and Jesus 11 times. And so this is the Gehenna. That's where it comes from. And so the fire of the tongue is consistently fed by the fires of flame. And, and what could prevent that? And James is talking to the church. He said, my brethren, okay? Don't think, okay, no, that's for people who are not saved. No, he's talking about the church. Because this is where it happened. It happened almost 2,000 years ago. It's happening today. And how do we, how do we stop? You get people to keep talking, gossip, all these things. You know, James is going to deal with that later on. But reality is, you know, we start thinking, oh, gossip, that's a sin. Slander, slandering. And the word, Greek word, go look it up. The word slander in the Greek is diabolos, which we get the word, it's the same word, the same word for devil, diablo. It's the same word, diabolos, diablo, slanderer. So slandering is of the devil. The same Greek word that identifies a slanderer and devil is diablo. And it's, uh, well, it's diablo in Spanish because I'm used to that, but is diabolos, Okay. How do we prevent this? He's talking to Christian now. Well, I say the more and more we use our tongues for godly things, the less likely we'll use it as a flame of fire. 
The more and more we use the tongue in reading the word of God, and I would say read it out loud just so you can memorize it for yourself. I read out loud a lot. Not only here, but at home. And I just read out, just, I just want to get the feel of it. But the, more you, the more and more we read, we use the tongue to read the word. The more and more we use the tongue to pray to the Lord. The more and more we use the tongue to worship the Lord in psalms and hymns. The more and more we use the tongue to bless God and to bless others, the less likely you would have uh, any fire from hell trying to control your tongue. It's important. The more we're in Christ, the more we become like Christ. I want to be like Christ in every way possible. And I, I want to use my tongue to honor and glorify him, and I want to use my tongue to bless others. Now, verses 3 to 6, as controlling the tongue. Now in verses 7 to 12, the destructiveness of, son, of the tongue, and we saw some of that. But let's look at verse 7. He said, for every kind of beast, every kind, every kind of beast and bird or reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. Everyone with the exception of mosquitoes. Why did that mosquito go into the ark? <laughs> I'm trying to enjoy my day the other day. some mosquitoes anyway. But yeah, we can just zap them, you know. But anyhow, we could tame almost everything. Mankind, you go to circus, you go to zoo, and, and what you have there, lions, tigers, and bears. Lions, tigers, and bears, oh my. Some of you laugh, you know, you gave up your age. How many of you say, okay, forget it. <laughs> Nine tigers and bears. And then you go to SeaWorld, right? And you see these big orca whales or beluga whales. Like, man, they're, they're trained. Especially the orca whale, have the trainer just hold these little fish. That whale could swallow them all up. <laughs> little fish. But it's amazing. We can train something big, huge, massive like that. Elephants. We can control it. But look at verse 8. Here's where he turns around. But no man can tame the tongue. No man can tame the tongue. Question, who can tame the tongue? No man. No man. Not you, not me, people before us, people after us, until the Lord comes. No one can tame the tongue because, again, the problem is deeper. The problem is deeper. It's here. It's here. It's here. We can't tame the, t the tongue, you know, and when we don't, we don't put it in check, you know, put on the mind of Christ, you know, take, you know pray that God and the Holy, Holy Spirit strips away those things that offend God, that is not of God. And when we get that removed from us, we're able to use the tongue that will honor and glorify him. Now, no one can tame the tongue, but we have help. We have the Holy Spirit, don't we? He wants us to do what's right. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5, Paul writes this, Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. It comes from the Lord. When you get into that point where you say, yeah, I just can't hold my tongue, guess what? You know, you have help from the Lord. You've been listening to Running the Race with Pastor Eddie. Pastor Eddie's been digging into the book of James. This book is like a giant mirror that forces you to take a good look at the true you, challenging you to reflect in actions what you talk about on a daily basis. It's not enough to make a statement of faith. It must be lived out. 
Do you struggle with matching your behavior with your beliefs? We'd be honored to come alongside you in prayer. Won't you call or email us? All the contact information can be found on our website, runningtheraceradio.com. Again, that's runningtheraceradio.com. Running the Race is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Milford. Here's Jessica to tell you more about how you can partner with us beyond listening to our programs. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. If you're in the area, we'd love to have you come visit us. Service times and directions are on runningtheraceradio.com. Thank you for listening to this edition with Pastor Eddie and Running the Race.